Listen and stream the only talk radio, Freedom 106.5, for the only talk that matter. Good morning, Trinans Bego. This is Freedom 106.5 FM. Speak your mind. It is Wednesday morning. We welcome you to another edition of the Human Impact. My name is Govin, here with you until 12 o'clock today. Got to thank Satish Malbar for the morning rumble and inviting you to join him again tomorrow morning, same time, same place. So as customary on a Wednesday, we commence the show with our special segment on the Pulse with Rajiv Dipti, president of the Supermarkets Association of Trinidad and Tobago and third generation business owner and supermarket operator. And today we've also got a very special guest that's going to be joining us on the program. That's Jill Deboog. So let's say a warm welcome to both, of course, Rajiv and Jill. Good morning. How are you all today? Good morning, Govin, and welcome again to a very special edition of On The Pulse, which brings to you current topics um, in business, current topics in non-governmental organization initiatives, things that are on the ground, relevant, and certainly something that means a lot to our listeners. And uh, I, I mean, Govin, that's, that's certainly what we're all about on this segment. Yeah, definitely. And uh, during the course of the program, we will have uh, the opportunity for listeners to join in. And the avenues that they could do so, our hotline number 627-3223-625-2257 and on WhatsApp 306-1065. So today we're going to be talking about um, outreach with the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross. Yes, we are. And they're they're a very special group because they've, they've had quite a history um, going back into the pre-COVID and then during the pandemic itself. And we have a very special guest on the show this morning that is the president of the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross. Her name is Miss Jill DeBorg. She is someone who is uh, who holds an MBA. She's a motivator, a humanitarian, a social empowerment advocate, a development strategist, a capacity building leader, and has provided mentorship to the ranks within and out and external to the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross. She's someone who has had more than 13 years experience in steering developments and humanitarian organizations to operationalize success, being a resourceful, innovative, and quality-focused individual. Jill also holds a master's degree in business with a focus on leadership, innovation, and entrepreneurship from Anglia Ruskin University, London. So just for our listeners this morning, she's currently the president of the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross Society. She's also a current board member of the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies in the Caribbean, which is a focal point for the global network of women senior leaders of the Red Cross. This being International Women's Month, it's our privilege to feature here this morning, and it's allow us to welcome her. Jill, welcome. Good morning, Rajiv. Good morning, um, Govin. Good morning, listeners. A pleasure to be with you, to join you, and thank you for having me. It's it's our pleasure for our listeners and ourselves here this morning because we see that among your highlights, you've had a Medal of Honor and Merit from the Venezuelan Red Cross for leadership contribution and a, your own commitment to understanding the context of migration. You've also designed and facilitated a knowledge series on the elements 
of a well-functioning organization um, mm -hmm. for several NGOs, in, as well as co-developed and co-piloted a one-year Caribbean leadership development program in the interest of young people. Mm -hmm. So Jill, before we go further on the Red Cross, tell us a little bit about yourself and mm -hmm. how it is that you've managed to, to stay dismotivated and accomplish mm -hmm. all these amazing things. Mm -hmm. um, thank you, Rajiv. Um, for me, uh, my journey in the development sector started more than 15 years ago. And as you know, it takes as little as planting a seed. And that came through um, my initial work with the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross. So it's amazing that my journey in this field started with the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross as a staff way back uh, more than 15 years ago. And that, I think, that seed was planted in such a way that the um, the humanitarian story, the community work, um, seeing the benefits and the how we were able to move people from one point to another um, was the, the, the platform that started my interest. Um, and I think at that point, even leaving the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross and going into the private sector, it was short-lived because I thirst for um for that feel of making a difference and uh, i then went into the the international red cross as a staff which solidified my um interest in the humanitarian sector and development work and i have been working in, in various spaces from within the caribbean and Trinidad and Tobago in terms of moving the agenda of youth, moving the agenda of community, the most vulnerable. Um, what has kept me is seeing people win. It's it's really, truly something that is in the core of me. I enjoy seeing people win on any opportunity given to me to help progress um, person's ability to be more resilient, more more empowered. I take those opportunities and I take those challenges head on. That is something that we are very keen to hear more about because I can tell you personally for all our listeners that the Red Cross, when you think about the Red Cross, you think about humanitarian outreach, you think about um, medical outreach, you think about people who are, you know, um, we're carrying that, that flag with the Red Cross. Mm -hmm. And you've really made it something um, that's identifiable and 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 cognizant, Jill, because, mm -hmm. I mean, for me personally, one of our first interactions was with you at the vaccination site in mm -hmm. um, during COVID. And since then, um, we've seen how much the Red Cross has been able to mobilize. How mm -hmm. have you been able to really carry this? this banner of of the red cross and its various functions because it's not just that that you all are doing mm -hmm. so i think what i would say is that the the journey started with um recalibrating the way the organization function understanding the public's perception on who the red cross was what we do and redefining that in a way that meets our mandate. So we started, I started with the board and the team in terms of developing our strategic plan, 
um, to ensure that it was a document that was user-friendly, understandable, um, because it, it's where the vision and the direction of the, the organization lies. And then from that, working internally, because any external work we do has to start with the internal um, recalibration. So we had to do some of that, starting with our strategic plan, and then looking at our people, our systems, and our process in terms of redefining and ensuring that excellence starts, excellence started within the organization. And that then can reflect out that we were clear about who we are, that the our mission of creating a nation where present and future generations are empowered, resilient, and self-reliant was something that we were working um, selflessly and passionately towards. Because again, we need everyone on board carrying that mission and carrying that passion to help create that resilience within communities. So it started, that journey started there with the organizational recalibration. And then where we are now is our public, and I want to speak about our public giving campaign and why um, that was initiated. Our public giving campaign um, is a desire to help an outreach campaign that, that takes two folds. One day, of course, there's a financial goal with it, but there's also the public education goal where we are trying to help people understand that we're more than the sign that you see. We are more than that Red Cross sign. We're a sign of community, a sign of youth. It, it is an opportunity for us to help um, the public engage with us better and to share about a bit more about our mission and who we are as an organization and all the exciting work that you can get involved in through volunteerism. How critical it is for us to move the community through volunteerism, how we can become our brother's keeper and how we can make a difference starting where we are. Um, it takes a collective to change the you know, any negative impact that we may be experiencing. We can't do as an organization that is committed to development and human interests and the most vulnerable in our society. I would be the first to say that we can't do it alone. We need each other, meaning we need all stakeholders on board. We need to work better together to align our, our interests and align our efforts in order to really shift communities to a space of resilience and strength and self-reliance. And uh, our public giving campaign, we hope, will be the initiator to not only help others understand who we are, what we do, and how they can be part of that um, experience, but also to contribute to our financial goal, which is raising a million dollars by september because to do all the exciting work that we do we need funds and i'll be very realistic in terms of saying that it doesn't happen without funding yes i i i fully agree with you jill and i'm i i've heard about the trinidad tobago red cross public giving campaign which is a very ambitious project mm -hmm. to 
as a fundraiser to support your goals. I've also noted that the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross has been heavily involved um, in the migration um, exercise um, mm -hmm. in the context of support organize, or organizing relief efforts and organizing normalization efforts. Is that something that's also part and parcel of the Red Cross banner right now? Um, the work we do with migration started in 2019 um, solidly, and that came as a result of the Venezuelan migration crisis um, that resulted in a number of persons migrating to Trinidad. Now, uh, one of the things I'll say about the Red Cross is that where there is a crisis or where there is an emergency, we are there to provide support without discrimination or without any um, allegiance to one side or the other. It's about mutual um, support to someone who is in need and connecting through pathways um, where we can provide that support and opportunity for that person to be supported. So our work in migration started in 2019 and um, through the support of some of our donors like the EU and the International Federation of the Red Cross, we were able to bring relief to some of the migrant um, individuals that were, um, that were experiencing some level of vulnerability, whether that has been primary health care, um, you know, I would say cash um, vouchers. And when I say cash vouchers, we it means that it's a voucher, it's a food voucher that can be redeemed as a, at a supermarket. And we had a very strong relationship and still do with the Supermarket Association in terms of this um, project. So, so what I am saying is that in terms of the migration program, we do not um, carry out interventions in the communities without taking our host communities along with us. So it's not that we let's say only target migrants there are some programs that will be designed for migrants and what we would do in those um, contexts is also look at the supportive element of the host community what is required how they can be involved and how it's a whole of um, community approach in the intervention it's, it sounds like a very holistic approach to the migrant um, you know, exercises that we've seen address displacement, address their welfare, primary health care, and education. Mm -hmm. And when we come back, because we're going to a break now, we're, uh, we've got a couple of questions via WhatsApp that we'll get to. Talk, Talk is streaming at freedom106.5.com. Yes, good morning again to all our listeners and Nicole and you know, Govin, I, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the Red Cross program or and the organization itself, but they are doing a lot of good work. How familiar are you with some of these um, initiatives? Um, well, not directly um, exposed with, with a lot of it, but I mean, from, from a very young age, the Red Cross would have been one of those uh, bodies that I think everybody would have been familiar with hearing of the immense work that they do, not just here, but across the world as well and uh, commendations to all those that are part of it, to Jill and her entire team 
for the wonderful work that they do because it definitely is needed um, as we see time and time again. Yes, indeed. Uh, you think of the iconic Red Cross when you think about the Red Cross Society. And Jill, we, we've had a question here and it has to do with the public giving campaign, mm -hmm. which um, you know people would like to know um, what percentage of contributions go towards administration costs and perhaps by extension, how much of it is a public giving campaign, um, as it would suggest? Uh, so, in terms of the public giving campaign, persons can contribute, um, you know, as much as they would like and are comfortable to. So, if your contribution is $20, we are happy that you're donating. One of these things, there are two ways to donate as well, in terms of um, you can do financial donation or, and I spoke loudly about volunteerism, or you can donate your time. We are always looking for volunteers with um, specialized skills. So if you're, let's say for, an ex for example, your technical skill is finance and or auditing, it may be a skill that you can lend to the organization in a voluntary capacity. Of course, that carries a cost in terms of the the time, um, your time per hour or your, your hourly rate. Um, so there's a in-kind contribution that is valued. Most times we do not look at the in-kind contribution and that cost and how it contributes to the goals of the organization. But that is something that we certainly record in terms of in-kind contribution. Where we go in terms of um, the percentage of the administration costs, I'd like to clarify two things. In terms of our public giving campaign, it is that public, so we invite individuals and corporate children and Tobago to give. All the funding that we receive through the public giving campaign will go directly into the operations of the organization, meaning the activities that are not funded by an external donor, um, the so the, some of the community outreach, the functioning of the clinic. We have a clinic, a health clinic, um, that is located at the compound of the headquarters of the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross um, at Fitz Blackman Drive in Port of Spain. And we also have a satellite version of that clinic at our Tobago branch at Signal Hill in Tobago. The clinic is absolutely free. It provides primary basic health care to the public. So it's not something that is only for migrants. It's for any vulnerable person who requires um, health care. Our clinics are powered by volunteer doctors and nurses. So there's no cost to you. So in terms of these services and how we get to fund these services will be through the support of things like the public giving campaign if we do not have a, um, a, a an external donor assigned to a specific project because funding comes through a number of areas. One, public giving or the public, um, public donations, corporate donations, and then we have funded programs. So we would have donors who I, who have target or earmarked um, activities that they would like to fund. And this is how we ensure that these activities are implemented in line 
with our um, programmatic approaches. So in terms of, and for programmatic um, funding, which is earmark activities that are funded by donors, there, there is a um, pro programmatic support cost, which is 7% that is applied to the overall funding amount that is that, that provides support to the operation side or the program team in terms of contribution, LB contributions, administrative expenses, fuel, um, a, a percentage will go to support salaries. Um, but when it comes to the public giving campaign, which will be on earmarked funds, it would support the operations of the organization and would support activities that are not supported by a, an external donor. I hope that is clear or is clarified. I hope your question is, is answered clearly. I think these clinics are absolutely, the information is absolutely relevant to our listeners. And just for them to understand more, these clinics run all throughout the year? Yes, yes, it does. Um, what we do encourage because the, like I said, it's, it's supported by volunteer doctors and, and nurses. So it means that we encourage persons to call and make an appointment or get listed to come to the clinic because what we try to avoid is lengthy waits. Um, we want to ensure that persons are not turned away. So we take a certain amount of persons per day right now because again we run based on volunteers the clinic operates once a week we go to communities once a month with our public outreach in terms of the clinic goes um with an outreach support to a pre-identified community once a month but every thursday so far based on the availability of our doctor clinic is open on a tuesday so we ask the public to call us at six two seven eight two one five or six two eight eight one two eight and or visit our facebook page and make an appointment or they can send an email directly to the clinic at clinic at ttrcs.org to make an appointment to see the doctor. Yes, I was going to ask if they could make appointments because I'm sure that um, that would be yeah. very helpful to them. And I, I, I mean, Jill, that's that's got to be one of the primary healthcare initiatives, one arm of the Red Cross, so to speak, that is running in parallel with your other projects. I, I, I imagine, and I imagine that the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross Society is not just about um, first aid and that there are other projects running parallel to the primary health care initiative extended to the public. Mm -hmm. That's correct. So what I would say is that under health, we have um, our primary health care clinic. We also have mental health support and we have sexual reproductive health. What I mean by sexual reproductive health, we have we have started an initiative which is first the first leg research based. It's called Know Your Flow, and it's a menstrual health hygiene 
um, initiative, which will start in terms of acquiring data so that we can further define um, the intervention that is necessary to meet people where they are. Now, when you think about it, we have 1.8 billion people across the world who menstruate, and about 500 million of these are women and girls who are unable to manage their menstrual cycle. So the research that we're doing, and because you know data is limited in Trinidad and Tobago in terms of menstrual hygiene, so we're looking at broader than period poverty. We're looking at the entire element of menstrual hygiene from the um, perspective of, let's say, access to water. We're talking um, the public um, facilities, um, discarding, being able to discard the waste. Where does the waste go? Um, so the entire process of that or the entire scope of menstrual hygiene. And we're talking to girls, boys, men, women. We are talking to girls in school, girls out of school, girls who are, uh, or women who are incarcerated, um, to different sectors of the community because we really want to understand the issues and how we can def design an intervention that will really meet people where they are and provide the required support. So this is one of the initiatives that we're getting off the ground that we're really proud about and we're proud for the partners who have come on board um, to support this initiative. So that's health. We also have a very um, strong youth program, um, youth in school. Youth, um, so we have youth in school at two different um, levels. Youth links, which is in primary school, and trailblazers in secondary school. So the elements of youth links have been going on for, for many, many years, and we have a very strong relationship um, with the Ministry of Education. Our um, implementers are at the school level. So our patrons, we call them patrons, which will be teachers in school, um, our principals who have been committed and support the um, the Red Cross youth program in school. I mean, we can't do it without them and we are really um, happy to work side by side with them in helping contribute to the nation's um, youth in a positive way. So we have youth in school. What we have further defined is our trailblazers, which is at secondary school level. And this, in 2021, we would have done um, some consultation with youth across Trinidad, and this is during the pandemic, um, asking them what they wanted. How do they see um, Red Cross Youth Program working? And they helped us define our program at the secondary school level, and this is what we'll be rolling out. It was presented to the Ministry of Education. Hold on one sec. Sorry about that. It was presented to the Ministry of Education, and it aligns well with the strategic objectives of the Ministry of Education. So we are very excited uh, to start rolling this program out. Um, the next level of the youth program is our community champion, which we are still defining, but it will have elements of our trailblazers 
and how they transition from school into um, community champions. And that's I, just I, youth. <clears throat> I, I'm very glad to hear about the youth programs because one of the topics that have been raised time and time again in the very recent past is this issue of school violence, both mm -hmm. at the primary and secondary school levels. And, you know, it may be unfair or it may be um, premature, but how is the Red Cross involved mm -hmm. in alleviating these um, flare-up um, mm -hmm. incidents? And, and what is it that is, in your opinion, driving it? Mm -hmm. Well, there are two things I want to comment on. One um, is that no intervention um, could be designed alone. And one of the things that I'm really pleased about is with our youth program is that it's shaped by youth for youth. So what we are looking at is a methodology called Youth as Agents of Behavior Change. And it's how youth can become their peer, um, their peer agent of support and their peer agent of change in terms of addressing some of the behavior changes that we hope to see um, at their level. But they have to take charge. They are taught by Red Cross and our patrons in terms of how um, to address conflict issues, how to address, um, you know, matters that, you know, they may take head on. How do you apply a different approach using their own peers as their um, motivators? This is, like I said, something that we are ruling out in this program was at the secondary school level was supposed to start in 2020, but it was halted by the pandemic. We are now at the stage where uh, we are revisiting how it is ruled out. The first part of it is preparing the peer agents. So there will be a workshop for peer agents in terms of how to engage and how they are how they are the center of the change that they are supporting us to do and this like i said is ruling out all the methodology um, under the youth as agents of behavior change and that's just one of the vessels of um the programmatic elements one of these things that i would say what we are seeing um there are two elements of what we are seeing we are we have to recognize that we are more connected to what is happening because of social media so and personally i don't feel that and this is my humble opinion i don't feel that everything that we are seeing is ultimately very new i think there were elements of it that happened before or was happening before the pandemic would have intensified um how we address it, and this is from an individual perspective. So when we think of ourselves as adults and the mental stress that would have been, um, would have been that we would have been experiencing as adults because of the unknown, because of you know the things that 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 you know once held us no longer held us. There were so many um, un decidables and, and undefinables that were happening around us that we were having um, trouble as adults coping. And most times children are forgotten in the whole dynamic. When we as adults are coping or trying to cope, we sometimes forget that 
our children are also seeing what's happening to us. They are absorbing what's happening to us. And every environment and every home is different. And if our children are not cared for especially, or that they are not, um, their mental health as well is not taken care of. And I know in a society in the Caribbean here, we sometimes hear mental health and immediately it's a taboo because we feel if we're talking mental health, something is wrong with us. We have to be okay as individuals to, to understand that it's okay not to be okay. We all need to exhale. We all need a timeout. We all need um, someone that we can lean on and be able to talk to. And even for young persons, I think the isolation, the you know, the virtual school, the um, inability to connect with their friends the way they used to, um, pose challenges for them. And we are seeing some of the backlashes of you know the pandemic and the influence of um, how change affected us and how we are how quickly we are adapting to that change and the changes that we now have to grow accustomed to. Mrs. Jill DeBerg, President of the Trinidad Tobago Red Cross, we're going to a short break and when we come back, we'll take a phone call. Talk is streaming at freedom106.5.com. Freedom106.5 FM, our discussions on the pulse, Rajiv Dipti. And of course, today we're speaking all about uh, outreach with the Trans Bigo Red Cross. Let's uh, go to the phone lines, see who we have with us. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Oven. I'm calling from Arima. And good morning to your guests there. Um, I, first, I must say that the Red Cross, uh, as a as a young boy, seven years in, in elementary school, I, we had um, a, a Red Cross in, in, in our school. And I was, when you say I put on that white, top and white thing with the little Red Cross on it, I felt so proud. And I think overall it is a discipline. Being in the Red Cross at that time, it was a discipline. And you learn a lot of things. Right now, I know how to attend to minor cuts. I'm not saying major minor cuts and other little minor, um, you know, health issues. And I learned a lot, right? And uh, you see, the thing is that we used to have schools competition in the Sarima area here, where the different schools will come and, you know, everybody will put on a display of of a health issue. I'm trying to, you know, like somebody drowning, somebody of your fixing cuts or whatever it is. And, and we fare better for that. So my question this morning is, is how widespread is this Red Cross um, um, involvement in schools across the country today? Because I think that can even help with the discipline in schools. So one wonders if it has fallen out or if um, efforts could be made to revive uh, um, young minds. And, and of course, it wouldn't be in vain, as I said, they will um, benefit with, with discipline-wise and learning small little thing, you know, about tending to a minor health issue. I, I, I sure. listen up there. Thank you. Mm. Life skills there. Um, Jill? Um, thank you, Kola. Um, so in terms of the, the Red Cross Youth Link, which is, and what you're talking about is the Youth Links in primary school, we are across all primary schools, well, almost all primary schools, over 500 schools in Trinidad and Tobago. It's a very solid program. Um, the youth links 
they learn the, as the caller said, basic life skills. They learn, um, they are sensitized and trained on first aid practices. Um, so not, they're not at the certified stage, but they can attend to minor cuts and, and, and bruises and they're shown how to treat with it. Um, so that program is still very active still very uh, much um, successful. We what would have seemed a bit of a, um, let's say, a, a delay or a pause would have been um, the pandemic, where the students still met, the youth links still met. They met online. They were very much engaged. We had a, a camp online. So they were engaged, and they were continuing their learning journey and activities despite the elements that caused them not to be physically present together um, during the pandemic. So they still met online consistently because we knew to ensure that they were engaged. The, the space that we are rediscovering or relaunching is um, Red Cross and Primary School because what happens or what we, when we looked at the information we had, and we engage with the teachers, what we saw is that we have a very active program in primary school, and then they transition to secondary school. And because most of the activities at secondary school didn't meet their interests, we would have some falling out in terms of the, the engagement would not have been as active as in primary school, and we would have lost some persons in terms of their interests. So we had that stakeholder consultation in 2021 with youth across um, Trinidad and Tobago, youth um, organizations, other stakeholders of youth. And we have redesigned um, the youth at secondary school program, which I would say is a very exciting program. And because the voice of youth is incorporated in that program, we do um, we do understand and we hope that it will be as successful as the Youth Links program in primary school. I, I, I think the caller made a very important point about the discipline that is required uh, to be, you know, sustained, not just at primary school level, but at secondary school level. Mm -hmm. And it's a good point that you made that you've engaged the wider stakeholder community because I think that's what's needed when we see a lot of the um, incidents that we're talking about mm -hmm. and um, carrying on that um, these life skills. Uh, Govin, would you like to take another call? Sure, we could do so. Uh, 627-3223-625-2257. Those are our studio numbers for your calls live this morning on Freedom 106.5. And of course, you could also send us your messages on WhatsApp 306-1065. Um, so we will definitely facilitate calls uh, when they come in, Rajiv. But we could continue along the discussions for now. And So, Jill, um, in, this, in continuing with some of these, we've discussed the primary healthcare arm of the Red Cross. We've discussed some of the programs involving the menstrual health, Know Your Flow. We've discussed some of the youth initiatives, which are very critical in our nation and society and recovering from the pandemic right now. Uh, and I believe that the Red Cross has also been a very charitable organi organization. They've uh, responded very strongly 
in particularly with national disasters. Uh, maybe you can let us know some of the initiatives that have gone by and some of them as you prepare for 2023 and how the Red Cross is ready, stands ready to respond in, in a, at a moment's notice when these things do happen. Um, thank you, Raji, for that question. So first, let me, I want to take the opportunity to clarify to the public that um, the Red Cross has a very unique status um, in Trinidad Tobago. Everywhere there's a Red Cross, there's a similar um, context of how the Red Cross is, is created. So we are created through an act of parliament. And because of that, um, that unique status that I refer to is an auxiliary status. We're the only organization with such a status um, formed through um, the element of the Geneva Convention. And basically that status says that as an auxiliary, we are complementary factor to the state in pursuit of vulnerable um, vulnerable populations or vulnerable individuals. So it's our mandate and our responsibility to respond to situations that impact vulnerable persons. So we take our mandate as an organization very strongly. When a disaster happens, and as you know, um, disasters can be very wide, but if we're talking um, the elements of flood, um, which, as you know, even, and I will state here as well, we have developed a very strong environmental program because one of the, the impacts of our flood is the change in climate and understanding climate change and how it is impacting. We are seeing more and more um, changes in weather patterns. We are seeing um, areas that were not um, did not experience flooding before experienced flooding. Aside from things that lit like littering and um, that can be an impact of it, it's also because of situations of climate change. Now, when it comes to disaster response, we, the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross stands ready with um, the state to respond to the needs of um, vulnerable alongside the ODPM and local government very strongly in terms of preparing communities for the impacts, um, responding to the situations of communities that are affected and developing um, mitigation, um, mitigation plans to help communities, um, you know, prepare and respond better. So during the year, we facilitate, um, we are the key facility or the main facilitators of the third program, which is a community emergency response training that we do alongside local governments in communities, strengthening um, the community's ability and their knowledge where disaster response is concerned. So those third persons and communities, those volunteers, um they become a line of information and a line of response for localized incidents within their communities so we build capacity over time in communities alongside local government so that communities are again self-reliant so we go back to our mission in terms of ensuring that we do the work over time to build communities capacity 
to respond to their lo own localized incidents. When it comes to, to the incidents of a national perspective or um, beyond communities, like let's say the last experience we had in December, we mobilize our resources alongside local government and other stakeholders like the Supermarket Association, like um, CWAT-TT, other local um, and community-based organizations to ensure that communities are supported. Um, we have been supporting the ODPM in a stakeholder consultation alongside the um, International Federation of Red Cross. And it is more than a stakeholder consultation. It was really a review of our disaster law and our disaster policy that is still ongoing. Um, it's in draft and it's basically to ensure that our frameworks um, support the the requirement for should there be an, an incident of a national um, level, our framework supports a collective response. So again, in terms of what we do where disaster um, response is concerned or disaster preparedness, we work alongside our state to ensure that communities are prepared, they can support us in terms of the response through our CERT program. And we also do that CERT program in schools. It's called Teen CERT, and that's at secondary school level. And that is how we, we ensure that the knowledge on what is required and how to respond gets across the entire community of Trinidad and Tobago, and not just you know adults, but young people also know how, need to know how they can assist. Raji, we're gonna, so we're going to go to a short break, but when we come back, we're going to close off this segment with President of the Trinidad Tobago Red Cross Society, Mrs. Jill DeBorg, and she's going to share with us some of her plans for 2023, some of the projects we can expect, and we're also going to pick her brain on projects that she would like to see happen. So stay with us. We'll be back. Talk is streaming at freedom106.5.com. And we're back, Freedom 106.5 FM, uh, with Rajiv Dipti and Jill DeBorg on, uh, on The Pulse today. Yes, and <clears throat> let me say it's been an absolute pleasure to have had the head of one of the oldest institutions in the world, the, Trin the Red Cross and the local chapter, Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross Society, and its dynamic president, Mrs. Jill DeBerg, sharing with us what they are all about and where they are going this year. Jill, you have the, the floor for closing mm -hmm. comments. I know that um, you know there was also a question someone had about how you guys are working towards food security. And um, if you want to touch on that very briefly as you close off this morning's session. Okay, thank you, Rajiv. So first, let me say, I think one of the main aims for us in 2023 um, is to clearly help um, our public understand who we are and what we do as a Red Cross. That is significant because I think most times people underestimate um, you know, the scope of the Red Cross and our purpose. So it's one clarifying that role. Clarifying also that there are two sides to this organization. There's the humanitarian program, programmatic side, and then there's our business side. And when I say our business side, we cannot exist as an organization, even though we are non-profit, we cannot exist as an organization without creating avenues 
for income generating that can help sustain and open our doors consistently. Most time within this industry, we don't think about how do we create sustainable value where we can become less reliant on the support of um, donors. Not that we don't need them, we need them, but ideally there should be no income or revenue area that contributes to more than 25% of your income. And when you have that dynamic happening, it means that you know you could be in trouble because should that be removed or donor um, loses the ability to fund you, you're in fulfilling our mandate as an organization. We have to ensure that we have stable and sustainable income. So we're going to be building our, you know, our business or income generating aspect to contribute to the organization's operational cost. And I'll just plug, take a plug in for our Red Cross kitchen. We are open Tuesday to Saturday um, to the public in terms of breakfast. And Tuesday to Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, we have lunches available. So in terms of in terms of some of the programmatic areas, we have developed and we continue to develop our crisis management unit, which looks at livelihood, food security, um, disaster risk reduction, and the climate crisis. So all that is packaged under the crisis unit, and we will be redefining ways on which we meet people where they are, especially where food security is concerned. Much so we started a hydroponic initiative um, at our Tobago branch, and this is where we engage our community. The community in Tobago uh, is also part of the initiative, and that's the community within Signal Hill where the branch is located. And they come and they, you know, they have been trained on the hydroponics facility, what is happening. And last week they reap their first harvest. Community shares in the in the harvest of products. It's not something that the National Society keeps on its own. It's equally shared amongst the communities, the volunteers and the Red Cross. Our health and wellness program, um, which is our strategic priority too, focuses on mental health and well-being and integrated community-based health. Our youth, we will continue to work towards developing youth resilience. And again, in terms of our strategic priority four, we're going to look and redefine energy, climate change, mitigation, and community-based resilience. So, Again, a lot to look forward to in terms of our programmatic area and how our four strategic priorities as it relates to crisis management, health and wellness, youth and the environment is, um, is developed and how we meet people where they are. And in terms of our business unit, we look at financial sustainability of the organization and how we increase avenues of income. But one of the things I want to just mention, we can't do this without the people within the organization. So there's also going to be some work towards developing the capacity of the organization. And just for all listeners, strengthening our digital footprint. Um, and how was that? Hello? 
Hello. For our listeners this morning, Jill, uh, can you tell them how to get in touch with the Red Cross if they want to get involved, if they want to make a donation, if they want to find out more? Okay, great. So in terms of, um, you can come into our headquarters at Fitz Blackman Drive, um, Port of Spain, um, and that is opposite Lions and and behind the stadium um, there is a link for volunteers sign up so if you want to volunteer with the organization you can um, do so via completing this form that's available on our website you can call us at 627-8215 or 628-8128 you can also engage with us through any of our social media pages Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and in terms of making a donation, go to our website. The information is there on our website. You can do a direct deposit to our bank account. The bank account is stated on our website. You can do um, a bank transfer, you, or you can come into the organization um, and make that transfer. So, again, many ways to engage with us. Go to our Facebook page, go to our Instagram page, go to our website, um, and you know, find us, follow us, engage with us. Rajiv, over to you. We look, we look forward to catching up with you, Jill, and the Red Cross, and all these initiatives that we hope will bear significant fruit moving forward later on into the year. It's been another hour of On the Pulse, and we look forward to joining you next Wednesday uh, with a very special guest. Over to you, Govin. Thank you so and much. Thank you again to Jill. We appreciate having you this morning. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, listeners. Have a good day. Be safe. Thank you so much. And of course, that wraps up uh, On the Pulse today, another riveting edition. Be sure to join us next week for uh, the discussions as they continue On the Pulse. We've got to thank Rajiv Dipti, President of the Supermarkets Association, and uh, of course, our special guest today. President of the Trinidad and Tobago Red Cross Society for all of their uh, information dispensed to us today. And of course, as Jill would have mentioned, you could uh, jump onto the socials for more details to find out how you can contribute towards, of course, these noble cause and the initiatives that they have undertaken time and time again. Talk, talk, talk. Is streaming at freedom106.5.com.